How y'all doing? Good. Wait and see, Trish. It's good to see you guys. It's been a busy couple of weeks for our family, so it's nice to just be here with y'all. It feels like a, just a nice family gathering this morning, hey? Good to hear stories. And um, today I'm going to do something a little bit different. We are pausing our series, our teaching series through uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And do you guys remember a few weeks ago, a few months ago, um, I shared a prophetic word our good friend Roger Bai had about um, relying less on roadmaps and learning to read sea charts. Ironically, I then mapped out an entire teaching series after that, um, like a roadmap. And so, uh, but interestingly enough, the last couple weeks, I, I just, as I've been studying through uh, Matthew, I, keep, I can't shake this one idea that I've, I just sense the Spirit wants me to talk about today. So we're actually going to pause the Matthew series. We're going to join together. Uh, two teachings next week that we're going to do in two separate weeks and just felt like uh, I talked to the elders and uh, felt like this is something that God has for us. So I'm stepping out in faith and I heard something recently. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, said faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And so I'm going to try something today that I, you know, whatever. You guys love me and God is good. So we're going to go for it. And um, the thing is, this, this may be just for one person today, and I think that's okay, because this is not about us. This is not about you, and I think that's a freeing thought, um, but this is about God interacting with us, God moving in um, into the places of our hearts that need healing and hope and light. And so, yeah, this may be something that you are like, yeah, dude, I got it. I don't need to hear this, but maybe I would just say, just don't stop there. Maybe you do need to hear it. Um, but anyways, if this is just for one person, I'm willing to do it. Um, as I have been, you know, talking with friends, if I, as I, you know, you know, we were in California a couple weeks ago. I was in Florida last week, I think. I can't even remember. Um, but the various conversations I was having with people all around, it was like the same themes kept coming up. And so I talked to my friend Mike, who many of you guys know went to Asbury, where there's this renewal happening. God's presence is being poured out. And we talked about this idea of learning to live lives of holiness. And he was sharing these stories about being in the presence of God. And the presence of God was so beautiful and tangible and powerful that there were these Gen Z kids running to the front of the church to confess their sin to God. And it was light. It wasn't heavy and dark and kind of like shameful. It was this joyful, I will do anything it takes to get this, to get the presence of God, to be near him. And then, you know, I had this, we had this awesome moment in Florida where Pete Grieg, the guy who started 24-7 prayer, led us in this time of prayer and confession. Again, this this same theme of getting right with God. And then just in my own time of prayer and reading, this theme just keeps coming up over and over and over again. So we're going to talk today about confession and repentance. And uh, again, even if this is just for one person, let's just be willing together to go there and and be willing just to to kind of help people. The picture that comes to mind is like the the, the story where... um, Jesus is teaching in someone's house and these friends rip open the roof so that they can lower their friend down just to be with Jesus. So that might be for some of us today. But before we hop in, let me just pray for us. And I'm really, I have one page of notes. I'm just really going to trust God that, that he, he's going to speak through me to us. Okay. 
So let's pray and let's just calm ourselves and we just, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and lead our time. So come Holy Spirit. We know you're already here, but we want more of you. I ask that this morning there would be a real sense of your presence, of your nearness, and that we would leave here transformed by the good news of Jesus. Um, Lord, we, uh, we, have, we have nothing apart from you, but in you, Lord, there's, there's more than we could ever imagine. And so this morning, I just pray that, that we would be willing to um, be challenged, to be provoked, to be comforted, to be reminded. Whatever you want to do, Lord, just come have your way. And so uh, I love you. I ask for your help this morning, and I pray that anything that's from me would just fall to the floor, but anything that's from you, Lord, would it just penetrate our hearts deep today. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but the heat seems to be turning up as we're going through Matthew. You know, last week, Jillian, you did a brilliant job, just absolutely brilliant job talking through anger. So good and so challenging, gracious, yet confrontational at the same time. It was beautiful. And what we're getting at, guys, is that Jesus is setting us a high bar. If we're going to be his followers, we have to learn to embrace this idea that he wants us to be perfect like the Heavenly Father is perfect. That's a high bar. I I need help with that. And um, one of the ways that we're trying to think through this chunk of the Sermon on the Mount, Scott already hit on this morning. We had no idea. I had no idea he was going to share that. This whole idea of of a renovation of the heart. Um, Jesus, you guys need to hear this. Jesus is committed to you living from a new heart, the new heart that he has given you, more so than you are often. Irenaeus, the church father, said this, the glory of God is a man, or I would say woman as well, fully alive. The glory of God is a man or woman fully alive. This is his commitment. This is his desire. This is his purpose for us. Um, I was thinking about renovations, and uh, when I first moved here, I worked for the church for a bit, but I also worked for my father-in-law, Klaus, who was working for home hardware at the time, and I would be able to be a part of a lot of renovations as part of my job. And it it was, I I, I think it was, the word would be cute. It was cute to go into people's houses. They'd have these little paint chips and, you know, little samples of the countertop, or this is the little piece of wood that the cupboard's going to look like. They had all these plans and visions and hopes of not having to share the bathroom with their in-laws when they come visit. But like all these plans and visions, you know, we can have more people for dinner in this new kitchen. Maybe there's even like a hand towel there. This is the, the theme they were going for. So they had all these ideas and plans and hopes. And then the day comes where I show up and, and my job was just to rip out all the old stuff. That was, I didn't really know how to do anything else. So it was like, Tom, you want to go breathe some asbestos and get some insulation in your <laughs> shirt? Go for it. Um, and so as I, was, as I was, more often than not, as I was ripping out bathtubs or drywall or old, cu- old cupboards, I'd end up having to call Klaus at some point and say, hey, listen, man, there's, there's mold behind the shower. Or there's a wire here that should not be here. Things we thought we could reuse won't fit in the new space. So more often than not, things were worse than anticipated and ended up being more costly than they had hoped for. And so this is the point. Renovations, the renovation of our hearts, it's going to be a lot messier than we think, and it's going to cost a lot more than we planned for. 
This is incredibly problematic, if we're honest, because we didn't plan for this. This is, this is going back to the renovation. I just think about the homeowners. It's like, we didn't plan for this. We didn't think there was going to be mold back here. This is going to set us back financially or mentally or physically. It's just annoying on top of all of the other things. And so there's this temptation that can come in where, you know, I bring the homeowner in and say, hey, listen, there's mold here. We're going to have to tear this out. They could say, hey, dude, can you just spray some bleach on it? And then we can just put the drywall, you know, my in-laws won't see it, it'll be fine. The tile's going to cover it anyways. We, you know, we, we just moved into this house. It's the people before us, we didn't know it was like this. And so there's all these emotions and thoughts that are going through their minds and hearts and brains. But can you see the parallel to this whole idea of the renovation of our own hearts? The Spirit of God moves in to the bathroom or the kitchen, begins to open up some walls, and maybe things behind the walls are a lot messier than we thought they'd be. Maybe this life with Jesus is more costly than we had anticipated. And if we're honest, if I'm honest, a life of holiness is way more difficult than I thought it would be. So, do we slap some drywall back up even though the Spirit's highlighting some stuff? Hey, dude, there's mold back here. It's going to take longer than you thought to get it back to where we can actually build on top of it. Are we going to be like, hey, man, we'll get some really good mold-resistant paint or primer, zinzer. It smells like death, but it'll, it'll seal the mold in there, and we can just build on top of it. It doesn't, yeah, amen, Joey. She's saying, word of the Lord right there. It does not work. But you guys get what I'm getting at? This is the temptation we all face. We read last week about anger. I haven't wanted to kill anyone. I'm pretty good. And then maybe like, oh, maybe anger is more than just that. And, and Jillian begins to open up the scriptures to us. Maybe we see some, some contempt there. And we're like, ah, it's fine. It's not that bad. I don't really have to deal with that. I mean, it's not that much mold. But whether we want to deal with it or not, it's there. And so what are we going to do about that? What do we do when we sense the conviction of the Spirit of God? When we get a chance to see the way that things really are deep inside the walls of our hearts, what are we going to do? It's okay. Yes, track you. Yeah. Okay, this can be problematic for a, a bunch of reasons. Um, most of all, um, because we, we have a skewed and wonky picture of God. If we think about, okay, God is revealing this stuff to us. All of a sudden, shame can kick in. All of a sudden, kind of like, eh, whatever, kind of can kick in. Both of those attitudes and a whole bunch of other ones. But maybe we grew up in a church or maybe we had this picture of God that overemphasized the holiness of God. And hear me out. Essentially, this would be the message. God is holy and you are sinful. And God can't be in the presence of sin. Therefore, get your act together before you come to God. Anyone have that story taught them their entire lives? This very easily leads to a place of deep shame and hiding. Where we're shackled to our past and our white knuckling and just trying to just like, oh, don't sin, don't sin. Or hide it, hide it, hide it, hide it. To avoid a God for who all intents and purposes, what it sounds like, just hates us. Can't be in our presence. He's annoyed by us. We can't get our act together. That's maybe one ditch that we could fall into. Or maybe you grew up in a church that overemphasized the love of God. God is love and you are loved. God doesn't really care what you do because he loves you. 
And this very easily leads us to a place of stagnation. We're frustrated. We're stuck. We're not seeing transformation in our lives because why change if God loves us the way we are? But like most things in the life of faith, we need to find the radical middle of both of these ideas. Because listen, God is 100% holy and God is 100% loving. And this is a summary of the gospel by Tim Keller, who's a very smart man. He says, listen, we are more of a mess than we realize, but we are more loved than we could ever dare imagine. So some of us this morning need to hear, hey, dude, you're way worse of a mess than you ever thought. And some of us need to hear, hey, you are more loved than you could ever imagine. And all of us need to hear both of those things. I struggle with shame. I imagine a few of us in the room struggle with shame. So our shame, it needs to hear the voice of the Father speaking love deep into the darkest places in us, 100%. We also, I also struggle with sin. And my sin and your sin needs to be cleansed and forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus. We need both of these things. And the gospel deals with both our shame and our sin. Yes, there is mold behind the wall, but Jesus is a good carpenter who is able to get rid of it. If we let him and give him the time that he needs. More on this in a bit. Last year, I had this revelation about my life that I'm still trying to work out in real time. I used to think that the point of the Christian life was to be good for God. Anyone else? Just me. Okay. Just be good. Just be better. Just stop being what you used to be. Get your stuff together. I could say another word there, but just just stop doing it wrong. Just stop. But instead, I I just feel recently over and over and over God's revealing as I read the scriptures, this idea that that's actually not the point of life with God. The point of life is just to be with God. Whatever state you're in. And inevitably, the more we're with God, the more we will become like God. So the point of the gospel, the point of the Bible, the point of everything we're doing is about communion with God. What I mean by that is union with God, living life In God's presence, no hiding, no secrets, in the light, not in the dark. So what if God isn't out just to point out all the things you're doing wrong, but is instead on a mission to remove everything that stands between you living in complete union with him, Father, Son, and Spirit, in an eternal bond of love? What if that's true? Is that not good news? So if you guys have your Bibles, let's read together in 1 John. 1 John 1, verse 5. Tell me when you're all there. I won't wait. I'll wait till everyone's there. 1 John 1, verse 5. John was one of Jesus' closest friends, lived life right beside him. He actually laid on his chest. He referred to himself as the one Jesus loved. Mixed feelings about that, but that's awesome. Verse John 1, verse 5. You guys there? All right. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say, we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness... We are lying and are not practicing the truth. 
If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say, we, we, we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say, we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. Sin, living in the darkness, what it does is it fractures our communion with God and with other people. And God is on a mission to restore heaven and earth and God and man. Sin, guys, is our rebellion against God and his ways. And it is a disruption of the way things really should be. Where we're supposed to live, we're invited into union and communion with God. But instead choose our own way. We choose isolation. We choose hiding. Think about the garden. Remember, where are you? He comes out trying to find Adam and Eve as they're hiding in their sin and shame. We are made, you and I are made for communion with God and with other people. So what happens? We, we realize, you read the scripture and you're like, maybe the conviction of the Spirit's on you. Like, oh man, I am lying. I am in the darkness. What do we do with that? What do we, how, do we dis, how do we determine? How do we discern? Am I just being condemned or am I being convicted? So what we see in the story of scripture is that condemnation is a tool of the enemy that keeps us in hiding from God and from other people. That's the, that's the methodology, that's the mechanism by which we stay in hiding. Shame keeps us there, condemnation keeps us there. It works hand in hand with our shame. And I want to just, just a, a, one brief thought here. Typically, condemnation is very general. So, you are a bad person. You are unlovable. You are disgusting. Any thoughts like these ever happen in your mind? These are condemnation and these are attached to our shame. Conviction, however, which is a gift from God, it points out ways that we're not living into the kingdom of God or into the way that we're designed to live. We're not reflecting the image of God that dwells deep down inside all of us. So conviction is a way that the spirit of God reveals to us the truth of our lives. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. It's like basically the spirit comes in and shows us the way that things really are. Hey dude, there's mold behind the walls. Mold behind the walls is, it's just part of all of our lives. Conviction seems to be a lot more specific. That lie you told, that time you had a few too many drinks and things took a turn, that thought pattern you cannot escape. So it's way more specific. So if the spirit convicts you, respond. But don't allow the enemy to bury you in a grave of condemnation. This is often so, what happens to us. Instead of allowing the conviction of the spirit to move us towards Jesus, come out of the darkness into the light, condemnation sweeps in and we're just buried there and we can't move. Or maybe that's just me. So what do we do? Conviction comes. We want to move towards Jesus. This is this idea of confession. Confession is simply a way to tell the truth about ourselves to God in such a way that communion is restored. 
Confession is a way to tell the truth about ourselves to God in such a way that communion is restored. The reality is, guys, he already knows. He already knows. He knows every thought you've ever had. He knows every action you've ever done. You know, he knows everything that's ever been done to you. And that does not scare him away. He's just waiting for you to come out into the light and tell the truth. The interesting thing we read in that scripture from 1 John is it restores us to God. And somehow it also restores fellowship with other people. Because when we live in this state of shame and hiding, we never really show up as our true selves. So there's never really fellowship. If I'm showing up as a, as a shadow of myself, if you're showing up as a shadow of yourself, that's, that's not fellowship. That's, that's pretending. And so many of us are lonely because we're not showing up as we really are. Because there's this fear of if people really know, they would reject me anyway. So I'd rather just hide and project this thing. And I guess this is as good as it gets. So confession is a time to get specific. And this is where it gets real, real. Um, there's a famous uh, quote from, I think it was a federal agency that did something wrong. It was a corruption case. And the heading was this, mistakes were made. <laughs> mistakes were made. So often that's my confession. God, mistakes were made this week, you know. Restore me, you know, restore to me the joy of my salvation. You know, nothing changes. <laughs> Anyone else? I mean, the laughter would say maybe there's some more people, but... But let's read David. David uh, literally had just had an affair. Uh, and so much, like, it got darker than that. He got the guy who the woman was married to murdered. Like, and so he is confronted by this prophet. And then there's this invitation from God. Conviction comes. Hey, dude, tell, tell me the truth. What's going to happen? So this is David uh, praying for restoration, confessing to God. Psalm 51, if you want to turn there. Be gracious to me, God. According to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was born guilty. I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Here we go. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. Listen to this. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper, build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Quite different than mistakes were made. 
Confession is a time to get specific. Confession is a time to get real. This is just a thought. This is not on my notes or anything. It's interesting. Like it, it, It's like we want to worship God, and this may be completely heretical, but we want to worship God. It sounds like what he's asking for as, a, as an act of worship is the worst parts of us. Bring me your brokenness as an act of worship. Bring me who you really are, and I will meet you there. Confession is a time to get specific. Repentance is an opportunity for us to rethink our thinking, to, think, to rethink everything in light of the truth of God. If Okay, God is what we're talking about, the gospel. Okay, we're way more of a mess than we even realize, but we're loved, more loved than we could ever dare imagine. How do we rethink everything in light of that truth? It's about changing the way you think, bringing your heart, your behavior, your beliefs into alignment with the kingdom of God. Another psalm, Psalm 32. Lots to learn from David. He said he was a man after God's own heart, even though he was an absolute mess often. So we come, we confess, we repent, and then this is this, the joy of forgiveness that comes. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. When we keep our sin, when we stay in hiding, our bones become brittle. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I confessed and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. Then God says this, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. Don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be controlled with bit and bridle or else it will not come near you. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, your righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Jesus, of course, says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Rethink your thinking. This Last week, I was thinking about a lot of these things, and I had this image come into my mind as I was praying. Have you guys ever looked through a telescope? Have you ever looked through it backwards? Okay, I realized that this is what I was doing with God. I was looking at him backwards. I was looking at my own sin. So my sin was magnified, and Jesus and his grace and mercy was minimized. And so often we do that. We're like, man, I, there's, this is, I am too much for you, God. This is, I'm, whatever's going on in here is too much of a mess. And I don't even know if, what I'm basically saying is, I don't know if your mercy is good enough. I don't know if your blood is, is strong enough to cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. How arrogant. How prideful we can be. How, 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 I mean, that's the work of the enemy, to minimize the goodness and the grace and the mercy of our God. Jesus, his blood is able to wash everything as white as snow. Everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought, everything ever done to you is able to be cleansed as white as snow. Jesus became sin so we could become the righteousness of God. This is a free gift from God. Not anything that we've earned, but it's been given to us out of the goodness 
of who God is. We need the Spirit's help to reveal what's actually transpired. You know, we grow up, a lot of us have grown up in church. We've taken communion. We've seen things like the cross. We've seen Jesus paid it all so many times. And it can become just rote and kind of dead and it cannot penetrate our hearts. But the Spirit of God, we've been praying and crying out for God's Spirit to come again. One of the things the Spirit reveals to us is our forgiveness, the forgiveness of Jesus in us, what he's actually accomplished for us. Uh, Rob Reimer in his book, Soul Care, says this, The Spirit reveals to you the forgiveness of Jesus. He appropriates it, ministers it to your inner being, and you are released from your sin. There is a clear lifting of the burden, breaking of the chains, releasing of the debt, and freeing of the soul when the Spirit of God ministers the forgiveness of Jesus through revelation. The Holy Spirit takes that which has been accomplished through Christ in our spirit, and he reveals and appropriates it to our soul. God is good. Okay. I've never done this in my teaching ever, but the last, I'm not exaggerating, the last three or four months, every time I pray for us as a community, I get this same picture, same image comes to my mind. And this is a ketchup bottle. The, the actual picture is a bleach bottle, but I didn't want to spill bleach all over my black pants and all over the seats. But um, this is what I feel like. We're, we're, we have this... God, help me do this. This is humbling. Um, we have this amazing opportunity of life with God. God's Spirit dwelling in us. Um, rivers of living water, it talks about, flowing out of us. This is what we are, we are offered in Jesus, right? And so often, we're, we're like trying so hard just to like, just get something out. Nothing's coming. And we're trying harder, and we're trying harder, and we're trying harder. And then we're like, okay, maybe there's some stuff going on in my heart. Maybe there's some things that are limiting God's presence from kind of coming into where I'm at. So then we realize, oh, we, we look a little bit deeper, like, oh, there's a, there's a seal here. Okay, let me deal with this here. So we deal with the seal, and we, we open it a bit. And we're like, okay, God, rivers of living water flow. Come on, Lord. You guys ready to be here all day? Come on, Lord. It might not even happen, but maybe that's the point. We're trying so hard. Oh, there's a tiny bit there. Oh, it's coming, guys. That pain, this is us. This painful process of like, God, move through me. Move in our community. There's that much. He's there. He wants to move. Come on, Lord. Maybe we fast a bit. We're trying harder. We're trying harder. We got a tiny bit. And I sense this is where we're at, a lot of us. We want this, but there's stuff limiting and inhibiting us from really expressing God's fullness. And this goes to this whole idea of sin. There are things in us that are blocking God's spirit from moving to, through us because there's just gunk in there that needs to get out. There's stuff in the way. There's sin that we're not even maybe aware of. There's, there's things that are um, blinding us, that we're, we're in the darkness about, we're hiding from. And Jesus is inviting us to come out. He's saying, hey, listen, man, I want to do this. I want to peel all of this off so that you can live a life expressing fully and completely the fullness of God. That's what he's after. And so I don't want to settle, guys, for living a life like this. 
Anyone else? And so this is, I, I feel like the other thing I want to emphasize, Jesus is so patient. So he's not like, hey guys, you know, Tom did that thing on Sunday and you're still, you know, there's no river of living water flowing through you. It's like, hey, this is the promise of Jesus over a lifetime. But if we're, if we're willing to say, hey, maybe there is some stuff. Maybe there is some stuff. That's step one. And then being able to slowly, by God's grace, him doing the work and us partnering with him to peel that off slowly but surely, God's rivers of living water will flow through us. This could be sin. This could be shame. This could be rebellion. This could be darkness. This could be distractions, just numbing ourselves with Netflix and Disney Plus and uh, phones. Just like we don't want to deal with what's really going on. And so how do we develop a posture? Okay, if we're more flawed than we ever dared imagine, and we're, but we're more loved than we could ever imagine, how do we synthesize these things with God wanting to live with us? The point is not to be good for God. The point is to be with God. How do we work these things through? Again, another psalm is the posture that we, we are invited to have. David, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. God, what are these things? Show me. I don't want this to be the case anymore. I don't want this to be the case for myself. I don't want this to be the case for you and your family and our church community. How do we move out of this place of unreality into reality? Thomas Merton says this, There is no greater disaster in the spiritual life than to be immersed in unreality. For life is maintained and nourished in us by our vital relation with realities outside and above us. We cannot hide. We cannot lie. We cannot stay in the darkness. God does not live there. He lives in reality. A couple other quotes. We cannot overcome that which we will not admit. Light is a gift. It is not an intrusion. What is, what is unassumed remains unhealed. That's by Jesus. He wants to assume all of our brokenness and sin as we come into the light. It's always more beautiful to walk in reality. There's so many stories of friends, of, even in my own life, people I care about. When people come out into the light and they expose what's really going on, somehow they're always more beautiful than they were before. And that's the lie is that you're, you know, you're going to be shunned, you're going to be pushed away. It's actually, that's you coming into the fullness of who God's called you to be and made you to be. He knows how messed up you are. That does not scare him away. You guys okay? I feel like. All right. I'm going to read a scripture that I read this morning during our pre-service prayer. And today, guys, we're going to celebrate. We're going to respond by taking communion. And, um. I, like I said, I am convinced that God is committed to you and me more than we are committed to him. He's faithful to complete what he started in each and every one of us. But this is on offer for us, a life full of the spirit, a life where rivers of living water are flowing through us. But we need to get right with God. We need to come and receive the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. We need to come receive the body of Christ so we're brought into union and communion with him again and with one another. And so this is what's on offer for us. And this is, again, there's no rush in this. I think, you know, renovations take a lot longer than we think they will, right? 
They cost more, they're messier, they take longer. But like I said last week, renovations go easier when you do it with other people. So how do we invite other people into the process and into the journey of your own renovation of the heart? And how do we develop that posture of, okay, Jesus, search me and know me. I want to I be with you more fully and completely. I want to be with my family more fully and completely. I want rivers of living water to flow through me. Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Reveal to us what's really going on inside of our hearts. We thank you that you are gentle. We thank you that you are thorough. We thank you that you are trustworthy. And so this morning, Lord, as even as these thoughts are beginning to percolate and beginning to be revealed to us, I pray that we would just take one step towards you, one little bit closer to you. Would we see you kind of peel that seal a little bit more, Lord, so that those rivers of living water can come through us. As we take communion together today, would your presence be tangible in the room, Lord? Would we be, like, willing to um, humble ourselves and admit our need for help? Admit our need that we are imperfect. Say, man, I got, I got a lot of mold in my bathroom. But that does not scare you away, Jesus. So we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you are committed to us, this little group of people in the middle of literally nowhere that you care about us, God. You want to see us flourish. You want to see your kingdom come in our lives. You want to see your will be done in our lives, God. And so would we not stand in the way? Would we not limit you? Will we not inhibit what you want to do in and through us, God? So come Holy Spirit. We invite you here today just to continue to have your way. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So John, um, why don't you come lead us in this song? And so as John is leading us in Lord, I Need You, Would you guys just come on up, grab the the bread and the juice, and just take communion on your own. Take communion with the people that you're with, and just be with Jesus. Allow him to just do his work as he does so well. And uh, just I'm trusting he's going to meet with you as we take communion together today.